This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by the lone member of the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame. And uh, possibly soon to be an NFT. I saw that they're launching uh, the Glory Smacks NFT marketplace on uh, on Monday. Are you? Uh, is there going to be a Glory Smack of Bazooka Joe? Yeah, I think uh, they have the first launch of guys out, which obviously is the current guys in the roster. But uh, I uh, may or may not be in the second release of the second group of fighters, which uh, it's exciting. So Glory Smacks. Mm-hmm. I got. Uh, I'm all set up. I'm learning the lingo. I'm trying to get in there and. Try to get my hands on a few of them myself. All right. Well, if you're ever not able to do the show, like next week, for example, because you're going to be in Belgium, I'll just I'll just buy the NFT and the, the NFT can host the show with me. That's it. It's just keep replaying. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was it? We had Mas, uh, Was it Masvidal who had it running? He had an NFT running or something. Yeah, it wasn't the, press the conference. UFC Strike one, but I think it was a different NFT of some sort. I don't know. Then you have Adesanya with uh, blinged out jewelry with NFTs playing now. Yeah. Hey, there you go. It's a multi-billion dollar industry every month like i think it was four the, the numbers came i think it was like four billion dollars in nft sales in the last month like it's 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 a thing that we have to start getting used to as a, a part of the future at least for now i mean the, the future at least the finance the you know economic future is very unstable right now but we'll, we'll see how that uh, that ends up going but let's uh let's focus on the the past rather than the future we'll look at ufc 272 Colby Covington defeats Jorge Masvidal, 49-46, 50-44, 50-45. How did you have this one scored? I'm, I'm still old school when it comes to the scoring, Aaron. So, like, I would have called it 50-45, uh, you know. That's just mine. I know there's a lot of talk about 10-8 uh, rounds here, and I saw you even tweeting about it. But uh, I'm old school. 50-45, I thought he won every round. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't think it was as uh, a fight of the night and a fantastic fight that most people thought. I thought it was a little bit boring to me, but uh, there were some good moments. But uh, overall, I thought uh, Kobe showed his dominance like I think we all expected. Yeah, I was surprised at one fight of the night uh, as well. I think there were some other good although I, I don't have one really that springs to mind that was a great fight on that card. Do you have one that, I mean, Moicano versus Dos Anjos was a really good one. I would give that. I was just going to yeah. say I'd give that. Moicano deserves the 50K, you know what I mean, for the beating and the last minute and the stuff that he had to do. So I would have rather seen uh, Moicano get it than uh, Masvidal because, I don't know, I thought uh, at least Moicano went out there to fight and deserves 50K for recovery. I had Masvidal winning the second round. I thought that if you were looking at impactful shots, I thought Masvidal landed the more impactful shots, and I thought that Colby used his grappling more for control than for damage in the second round. The fourth yeah. round was really, like, teetered on the edge for me. I, I ended up giving it to Masvidal. I'd have to probably go back and watch it. I mean, when I'm scoring these fights, I'm scoring them in real time at, like, 12.45 a.m., right? So my brain exactly. isn't exactly processing it the same way it would if I rewatched it in the morning. But... Uh, I spoke to a judge about the the fourth round in particular, and they basically said it's at the discretion of the judge based on how much damage they thought that Masvidal did with that one shot that kind of dropped yeah. Colby. Yeah. And if you're basing it on that, that's kind of... So I'd have to kind of go back and watch and see the impact because Colby also had landed some really good shots early in that round. He landed that barrage that kind of had uh, Masvidal on the ropes. Yeah, Masvidal was just kind of shelled up there eating shots for like a good 5-10 seconds versus that one big power shot. So yeah, that was the one I was I was thinking, I was curious what your thoughts were because I mean, the one shot that Masvidal landed, you seen Kobe's knees buckle out and kind of right. just uh, he ate it really bad. So that was the most damaging shot of the round. It did the most damage visibly. So uh yeah, that was the the round in question for me for sure if I had to give one to Masvidal. Yeah, and really the big question for me on that one is like do you value that one big shot that Masvidal landed over the accumulation of damage that Covington landed over the course of that round by the volume, right? So you yeah. kind of have to... It's very important. It, yeah, it's tough to kind of discern. I, and I gave Covington a thir- the third round 10-8. Um, if I went back and watched it, it might end up being a 10-9. I don't know. It's like I was the only one who gave Jorge two rounds though that I saw. So I, I kind of have to go back and watch and see. Maybe I was, maybe I'm, I was seeing things incorrectly. I don't know. Night of the fight, it's, it's hard to kind of... Um, make you know make those decisions, I guess. And a lot of people were criticizing my scorecard. I'm thinking the second round, most of it wasn't even broadcast in the U.S. Like ESPN Plus went down for like two or three minutes. So like you're questioning my score. You didn't watch the whole fight. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But did you give a 10-8 round to it? Yeah, Kobe the third one of the round. rounds. Yeah, 
So, yeah, there's so much. I don't know. Like, I'm still, honestly, as I say, old school when it comes to the scoring. I, I, I didn't know if any of them were such big beatdowns for a 10-8 in my opinion. You know, there, it was still, I can see why it was given. But, again, I think you really got to beat the crap out of somebody to give him a 10-8. It's only one be judge bad. gave him a 10-8. And the reason why I gave him the 10-8 is because it was like four and a half minutes of control where he was landing strikes for a lot of that time was just landing ground strikes, ground strikes, ground strikes. So, is the accumulation of damage enough to give it a 10-8? I don't know. Again, I kind of have to go back and watch it and uh, and think it over and see how I feel but about even it. Your, even your tweets, though, you, you kind of justified your answer, right? You said uh, based on the three Ds, right? Which was his damage. Uh, dominance and duration. Dominance and duration. The dominance yeah. and duration so, were definitely there. But uh, yeah. I, I know that judges... It was dominant. Yeah. The judges are kind of said you need to have two of the three Ds, but one of those three Ds typically has to be damaged. That's why I was kind of on the fence about it, is because, like, was the damage there? Enough. And uh, the yeah. answer to that, I don't really know. I'd have to, again, go back and kind of watch it. But at the end of the day, the right person won the fight. I wouldn't make a case that Masvidal won the fight. There's no way you can give Masvidal rounds one, three, and five. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it would have been very weird to see Masvidal win just on a few decent moments you know right i mean when you look at a duration of the fight it was easy to pick colby to win but those big moments if you had two three little big moments in each round and you win the fight i was like eh, that's where kind of that scoring can kind of get you but i think the right guy won and i think uh what i'm interested in hearing is where do both of these guys go next what is your prediction i'm as interested as you are but i mean we've got um the bout coming up next month between Gilbert Burns and Shemaev. And mm-hmm. Dana White said he thinks that's going to be a number one contender's fight. Now, if Shemaev runs through Burns, like if, if he makes it look easy, you have to give him the title shot. Yeah, I agree. But I think if it's a close fight, maybe you line up the winner of that fight against Covington, especially if Burns wins. If Burns wins, I think Covington versus Burns should be a slam dunk. Like, I don't think you can give Burns another title shot off of wins over Wonderboy and the guy like Shemaev, yes. who we don't really know how he's going to do against top-level competition. So there's a lot of balls in the air right now and I, you know a lot of people are proposing Masvidal versus Conor McGregor and I kind of see why that works why that makes sense um, I wouldn't mind seeing a Masvidal versus Nate Diaz rematch I think that would be an interesting fight um, do you think now Masvidal I, I, I kind of to me he's looking flat these days I think age and things are starting to catch up to him I didn't really see the timing the the youthness in Masvidal that we've seen in the past is was he overthinking was he was Kobe more in his head than we thought but uh I don't know if I can see Masvidal sitting in that top of the division for much I think I I see a few more fights left for him I just think it styles makes fights right like if you look at his last three fights they're against Usman twice and against Covington so the threat of the wrestling makes you have to process a fight differently whereas when he was against a guy like a Darren Till or he was against um Nate Diaz, like, you know, that fight is not really go- likely going to the ground. And Horton is actually a pretty good wrestler. It's just he's going against elite wrestlers. And when you're pretty good, like, if you're a pretty good striker and you're going against an elite striker, like Bryce Mitchell, I'd say, is a pretty good striker. But mm-hmm. Barboza is an elite striker. If that fight's yeah. on the feet, if there's no takedowns in that fight, you have to imagine Barboza is going to win that fight. But the threat of the wrestling can turn an elite striker into a very good striker. Whereas with Masvidal, an elite wrestler can turn a very good wrestler into a good wrestler. A serviceable wrestler. And yeah, I can see that, but you're talking about one of the most experienced guys in combat sports. Yeah, but that doesn't like matter, at this Joe. point now, doesn't matter. you know, I thought even his striking was flat. I don't think he had pop. I mean, yes, he was scared, but uh, man, you're you're a veteran. You've been in there with Kamaru Usman twice. Like, I don't think he was that scared, but I just think it's, I don't know, it's just not the same uh, fighter in my eyes. Well, with the exception of the Askren fight, Masvidal has never been this one-shot power KO guy. He's a guy who fought at 55. He's fighting at 70 now. Like, even against Nate Diaz, it was accumulation. It was boxing. It was damage that was done over the course of time. Um, Nate probably would have continued that fight, but the commission called it. Uh, and then you look at the Till fight, and again, it was like a second-round knockout. Like, and, and I think a lot of people thought Till won that first round, if I recall. I'd have to go back and, and look. But, uh, yeah, so Masvidal's never really been this big power guy, and I thought his striking looked good. I thought he was landing good, damaging shots, but nothing that's going to put Colby out with one shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he may have impressed you, but I ain't impressed. I am not impressed by his performance. All right. Well, let's see but, how he does uh, against the striker next time. Like, I think if you well, put him, I mean, then who do you give him then? You're gonna give him Vicente. I think Vicente would beat him. Well, you give him Vicente, Wonderboy Thompson. Vicente's facing I, Bilal. Wonderboy's beaten Masvidal already, but that would be a good rematch. I think so. Then where then where do you put him? 
Let's take a look. You're going to give him number 10, Michael Chiesa? I mean, the Edwards fight would have been a him? great fight. I mean, I know Edwards is going to fight for the title, but he was supposed to face Edwards, and that fight didn't. So in the top 10, he's got one good fight that he has a chance of winning? Well, Other one well, else is wrestlers, down for me. I'm trying to pull the rankings strikers. up, but this computer is very slow. Well, outside of Gilbert Burns, you have Leon Edwards, we talked, Vicente Luque, Bilal Mohamed, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Masvidal at 7, Brady at 8, Neil Magny at 9, 10, uh, Chemayev at 11, Jeff Neal at 12. I think the only decent fight would be 12 Jeff Neal. Puns and Ibio would be a great fight, but they train together. Yeah, but Puns and Ibio is where? 14. Yeah, Jeff Neal's a good, an interesting one, but it's like, what does that do for Masvidal? Masvidal's team are very smart. Like yeah, they that's what I'm are saying. There's for... nowhere in the top five for him anymore. Right. That's my point. Yeah, and I mean, his goal is ultimately to get back to face Usman, but I think that that's just not a possibility anymore. No, I mean, am no. I right? No, it's, it's to me, Masvidal is like a, a Nate Diaz. He should be a super fight guy. Right. At this I'm point with... now, come in, big, big fights. Put on the big ones. That's why I think Conor McGregor is the fight. A Nate Diaz is the fight. Nick Diaz is a fight. I mean, I mean even... You know, Robbie Lawler is a great fight. I think those are where Masvidal is now, and I think those are all perfect matchups for him. Masvidal-Lawler would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, I, I like mean, that that's, idea. That's what I like. That's where I see Masvidal. I mean, if he proves me wrong, hey, prove me wrong. Bring back you know? Nick Diaz again. Do it at 185. Yeah. See? Those are the ones that I think excite me for Masvidal, and those are the ones that uh, he'll do his best in, and he'll I, shine. I never thought I'd say bring back Nick Diaz. I was so vehemently against Nick Diaz fighting again. But I was impressed with the way he fought. I thought he fought well. Yeah, yeah, not bad. I mean, if he didn't really train like he said, and I mean, he did okay, right? Yeah, I just don't know if he wants to fight anymore. Yeah. How about Tony Ferguson moving up to 170 and facing Masvidal? He's got to fight uh, Michael Chandler, I think, soon. But those are the kind of fights that we're thinking up here, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, Masvidal's not a big 170, like you said. Like, even on the scale, I'm like, he looks a little chubby still, you know? Yeah, and and it takes him, like, it's not an easy weight cut for him, it doesn't seem... Yeah, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, though, I think uh, the super fights are the way to go. Neil Magny is fighting this weekend. Neil Magny versus Masvidal would be a good fight. Yeah, but again, I think you said... uh, It's not a money fight. It's not the money fight. Not a money fight. Well, I guess we'll we'll see what uh, what they have in mind for the future. But yeah, he doesn't have a ton of great options. Yeah, I like Colby and Chemayev would be one that I'd be really intrigued by. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I, I almost think... would like that before Chemayev gets to Usman. But like you said, dominance is dominance. But that's kind of the, fu- the, the fight in the direction I'm going for for yeah. him. If it's I just, would pick. if you put Chemayev against Covington and Covington wins, then what? Are you doing a third Covington-Usman fight? Like, you're, you're almost better off just fast-tracking Chemayev, especially if, again, if he makes easy work of Burns. Burns is a, an unbelievable fighter. He's really good. So yeah. that would impress me a lot. Yeah, but even Covington, eventually he has to have that other fight with Usman. Right. Yeah, it's inevitable I think, I think at some in point the next in time. one or two. If Kobe wins winning. his next fight, what else are you going to do? Right? right, you have to almost give it. So I guess we'll we'll see how it, it plays out. Uh, I'm I also don't want to write off Leon Edwards is facing Usman next. You never know what happens in a fight. Yeah, yeah, well rounded, right? He's got that perfect, well rounded game. Co-main event: Rafael dos Anjos, Renato Moicano, 160 pound catchweight. A lot of people wanted this fight to get stopped at some point in time. And I mean, hey, believe me, I had, uh, I had uh, Dos Anjos winning round four, winning round five. I had props on that, and I had the fight not going the distance. So if anybody wanted it to end, for those reasons, <laughs> yeah. it would be me. But I understand where Mark Goddard was coming from. I think that yeah. Mark Goddard, he followed procedure. He heard what he needed to hear from the doctors. He saw enough from Moicano to keep it going. The onus is really on the corner. And we talk about this all the time. But as somebody who's cornered someone like yourself, Joe... You know that it's easier said than done to stop a fight. Yeah. I don't think it should be on the corner, Aaron. I really don't. I think it should be on the referee and well, the doctor. Well, it's on the position. Like yeah, the it should be between to... both of them. The don't position said to Goddard, you can stop fighter. this, but and Goddard said, can he see? And he said, yes. So Goddard heard what he needed to hear. Yeah, I don't know. I think if anyone should have been responsible in that one situation, I think it was the doctor. I think the doctor was almost questioning. He was almost like he seemed it wasn't Yeah, he was unsure what to do. Like he almost felt like the pressure of the situation. Like he didn't want the fight to continue. Like, come on, which doctor in their right mind is gonna say, okay, that's okay, that's acceptable to continue. His eye was completely shut. He was bashed. He was beaten. No real doctor is ever gonna say continue that fight. 
So at the end of the day, he should have kind of stopped it there. I know a, a fight doctor is different. Like if I was a doctor, I'd be different than your physician. There's so many physicians now. Like you go in with uh, a little bit of a black eye. Hey, you should stop fighting. It's not good for your head. You should not do it. I was like, okay, good idea. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I think the doctors need to step up and be doctors and tell them if the fight should go on or not. The, the Goddard is not a doctor. He cannot right. assess. You and can Goddard asked him the right okay. questions. Yeah, but I mean, it's not his responsibility. He's not a doctor to to be able to get that information and make a decision. Every fighter also is going to lie to you and say they can see. I don't know any fighter that's going to say they're not going to want to see. If if unless they want to quit, they're going to say I oh, can't he see. He passed the eye test, though, Joe. Like his his eyeball was following the finger. He asked how many fingers were being held up. Like he he did the right. The procedure was followed, right? Yeah. I kind of agree with you though. Like if the doctor thinks that the fight should be stopped, he needs to just say, Yeah, I don't Stop. think that there's a reason to keep this going. Yeah, but the the, the corner. 90% of the time is not going to do it, right. and the, the ref doesn't know. So who's responsible? The medical person there should be the one to say, stop it. This way, the corner and the fighter doesn't have a, a bad relationship after. The referee eliminates himself from you know maybe favoritism and, and this kind of thing. It, it, to me, it's the doctor. All right, but let's also look at it from this perspective. In the fifth round, Volcano, I thought, won that fifth round. He didn't take that much damage in the fifth round, and now ultimately, instead of people saying, oh, Moicano, you know, got destroyed in that, in that fight— it's Moicano's got so much heart. He came out in the fifth. He looked, he looked good. He kept fighting. He kept landing big shots against RDA. You know, like, from a marketing standpoint, if you're that athlete's manager, you're probably pretty happy with, I mean, obviously you're not happy your, your fighter took that much more damage. But again, if, you're probably happy that they let him go to the fifth round and do what he did there. And Goddard said, you've got 30 seconds to show me something. And he did. He followed the instructions. He's a fighter. Of course he is. He's never going to give up. I mean, the only fighter that wants to give up, if, if they're going to say the eyes closed, but Mokaino did what he had to do. I think if anything, I don't like the narrative that RDA let him come back and no, RDA I let him. Him. I hate that narrative. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. If anything, maybe Dos Anjos played a little bit more cautious, knowing that he won four. Why would he take bigger risks in the fifth round? That could be the better narrative than, say, him letting him come back. No, he did not let him come back. Mm -hmm. He maybe put the his foot off the gas a little bit to, to kind of stay smart and to know he was going to get the fight. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I think to be complimented as a warrior is, is a positive thing regardless. So, yeah, heck yeah, Moicano is a warrior. And Dana White said they were going to reward Makana with some sort of like bonus. They said they were going to give him a bunch of money, but well, I don't know. That kind of stuff goes on behind the scenes, and we never really hear about it. Um, yeah. Jeff Molina posted a, a a bonus letter. He got a, a discretionary bonus of like seven thousand dollars. And people were like, oh, it's just seven thousand dollars. It's like, well, he had seven thousand dollars he didn't have yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like when they hear that when they give uh, the bonuses out in the back. Sometimes, like send some money. You know, yeah. it's important to share the wealth. Bryce Mitchell defeats Edson Barboza. 30-25, 30-26, 30 uh, I, I can't remember if I... I think I gave the second round a 10-8. I'd have to go back and look. But that, that was a dominant fight. Bryce Mitchell... Uh, th this was one of my worst picks, was taking Edson Barboza in this fight in hindsight. I should have known from Barboza's previous fights with guys like Habib, Kevin Lee. I just didn't know that Bryce Mitchell's wrestling had gotten that good. It looked really yeah. good in the previous fight against Andre Feely. He was not an easy guy to take down. But he's gotten really, really good. And he's, he's a contender at 45, in my opinion. Yeah, and his striking was pretty decent. I mean... He took the beatings, but uh, I thought he took the damage well and still continued to do what he had to do. If you look up the ladder in that division, Bryce Mitchell's now ranked number nine. He's a bad matchup for just about everybody in that division. I'd say his toughest matchups stylistically are probably Josh Emmett, um, Arnold <laughs> Allen, and Volkanovski. Because those are the guys that are actually have solid wrestling chops. But, yeah. man, Bryce Mitchell looks like he could be a champion. He's, like, what, 24, 25 years old. And I was really high on him when I watched him on The Ultimate Fighter. I, just, I didn't think he'd get this good. Like, he is, he is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so impressive how calm and collected he was against such a veteran in Barboza. So it's like the way he handled the pressure, the eating those big kicks in the early part of the fight. I mean, I'm like, oh, my God, Bryce Mitchell's totally outmatched after a few kicks. I mean, he doesn't know what to do, and then he just adapted, and that wrestling was just amazing. I mean, I don't know. Who else besides the, the Dagestanis wrestling like him? That was, that was phenomenal. Right, yeah, I, I agree with you. He was really, really, like, he's just really strong, great timing. You know, I spoke to Marlon Moraes yesterday. Yeah. He was a good friend of Barboza's and was at the fight. Uh, he's fighting this weekend. And he basically said Edson's timing was off. And it's like not only was his timing off, but Bryce Mitchell's timing was perfect. Like his timing was spot on in that fight. Yeah, no, I mean, I was so impressed. I mean, I, I thought I, 
I mean, you have to almost go Barboza when it came to the betting line. I put a little bit, but I, I, I just I felt Bryce Mitchell had it, but I didn't think he was going to be that good, that dominant. I think um, it was the extra that, that he did that really impressed me. Yeah, he, he just looked phenomenal. And I thought that Barboza made good adjustments, too. Like, they told him to stick with your boxing, try not to throw kicks. It looked like it was working for a little bit of the third round until my, Mitchell got that takedown. And Barboza, he's just not that good at getting up. Like, when he gets taken yeah. down, we saw this against Habib, we saw that against Kevin Lee, he just looks defeated. And it's like, I don't know if it's like PTSD from being taken down and held down in previous fights, <laughs> that it just there's like some sort of mind block that get, prevents him from getting up. Or Bryce Mitchell's just good at controlling. He's a good wrestler, right? So, yeah. But Bryce Mitchell's not a guy that I think comes from, like, a, a wrestling pedigree. He's just one of these, like, farm boys that's tough. <laughs> you know, like, that's he's far, yeah. farm strong. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I just, what impresses me and I like about the style is I love seeing fighters who don't play the part, right? They kind of just, you don't expect them to be good based on his look and the way he talks and the way he lives. And then to see someone as dominant as he is, it's just, uh, it's fun. And he's making a donation to a, a local yeah. charity in Arkansas. That's good too. And Dana White said he'd match it, and so that's all good. Yeah, I like. I honestly, I like when Papa Dana steps up sometimes because it's like, hey, Bryce, this is half your purse, man. Forty-five grand. He's like, hey, don't worry, I'm gonna pay. Keep your money. Keep your money. Save it. I'm gonna pay your part or something and like then that. Bryce which... like, I'll just donate it to another charity. Like he just wants to help. He wants to <laughs> yeah, feel good about it, funny, right? Like, yeah. I know he wants to so... keep his money, but. Uh, from watching him on on UFC primetime, it just see or uh, sorry UFC embedded. No, it was the other one. Countdown. I watched Countdown. him on Countdown. He's just got this big farm and he just enjoys, you know, minding the land. He doesn't seem to want for much. Yeah, that's kind of what my in the next few years I'm gonna get a. We've already named it Bazooka Ranch. I'm gonna get a big piece of property and I'll self-sustain live up there. That's right. it. There you go. Well, yeah. it's probably the right thing to do at this point in time with these uh, Toronto real estate prices. That's it. No, I mean, buying that land's expensive, but at least I can do what I want on it after. Yeah, build a, take a barn, repurpose it into a gym. Yep. Put some well, nice. Uh, if you open that up, I'd love to come and visit and, uh, and hit some pads with you. There you go. Bazooka Just Ranch. Make sure I stretch first. Yep. You don't want to be pulling those hammies. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what happens <laughs> at 40. You yeah. stretch for a while. Um, you have to. Yep. And my wife was like, last night, she's like, man, I walked the dog and I'm all sore. She's like, I didn't do my morning stretching. It's like, yeah, it's. We're at yeah, that age that's now. a thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. yeah, even me now, I still feel it. I used to be able to just get in there and spar. I was like, man, I need to, I need to warm up these bones and joints a little bit now. Yeah, there's nothing but, like being young and just being able to just go. You go play basketball, it's like whatever. You don't stretch, just, just go and you can do whatever. Yeah, now I could still do it with fighting because of experience, but like if it's any other, like the, the heavy lifting, and now I need warm ups now. Kevin Holland defeats Cowboy Oliveira second round. 38 seconds. I gave Oliveira the first round, and so did Holland's corner, who basically gave him instruction. He followed <laughs> it to a T and, and got him out of there quickly. Yeah, both. I call this fight the team no jabs. For some reason, these guys don't like to jab. They like to sit in mid-range and not throw any jabs. So I was more upset that they didn't throw jabs. So every, there's always certain fights. I was like, I, I like the fight. It's good. But there's one thing technically that happens in it that I just I can't like get past it like if someone hurts someone's leg and then they don't go back to the leg i literally watched the fight like this with my hands on my head being like how why and this was one i was like two tall long strikers and nobody's throwing a jab so that was my frustration in the fight great fight for kevin holland i'm happy for him uh i love his manager who's helping me out with some stuff too and getting me uh some sponsorship stuff so holland's manager yeah or or shout out nice yeah he he hooks me up with that the mybookie.ag on uh, every pay-per-view so uh but yeah i mean i'll i'll, I'll message or two and say get kevin working that jab because if he can use that jab with that reach and the way he sets up his power hand it'll just make him a phenomenal striker i mean it's it was just that little missing touch of the jab which will make kevin holland really good well if you want to cut Extra out the middle good. man i'll give you crew bob perez's number you can just go right to him oh yeah i'll <laughs> talk to crew bob he's uh who's a thinks coach right who? Uh, Steve Pace coach, I believe. No, Krubop Perez is Derek Lewis's coach. Okay. Yeah. Well, does Derek Lewis have a jab? I don't think so. Yeah, not really. He doesn't need it. Yeah, so that's why. Be. He's been in the heavyweights too long. He needs to, to get Kevin Holland jabbing. But I don't know. I heard Krubop's pretty good. Don't know much about him. But uh, I'm not taking anything away from him, obviously. Mm-hmm. But just, uh, just get him Well, jabbing. he just started working with Kevin for this camp. Kevin previously was working, um, I believe, in Dallas with um, – or Fort Worth, actually, with – 
um, why, why am I forgetting his name? Travis Luter is his BJJ coach. I don't know who was doing his striking with him, but yeah, he's been going back and forth, I think, between uh, Houston and Fort Worth to work well, on his lot grappling. A lot of good potential for Kevin, though, I think, in the welterweights. But the problem is, as we know, the division is stacked with wrestlers. So we got to kind of see how Kevin Holland is going to deal with it. I know he's uh, really focusing on the wrestling aspect of his game. But I think if as he moves up, he's going to have to really make sure his grappling's on point. Yeah, but he can control distance so much better in that division. Oh, yeah. He's this got an 81-inch reach. Like, I think it's the most ever yeah. for welterweight, right? So, yeah. We'll and he looked good. Apparently, the weight cut was comfortable. So, uh, first guy on scale. doing the thing. Yeah, heck yeah. Looks good. I'm excited for him. I think it's going to bring some nice uh, addition to the welterweights. And speaking of uh, those lacking a jab, you've got Tiago Santos in the main event of this weekend's card, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Uh, shout out to the, uh, the co-main event podcast, who um have said that basically Tiago Santos was never taught the jab and when he gets hit with one he's like what was that what was that yeah it's so it's frustrating like I go on rants between low kicks calf kicks and jabs so if you ever want to hear me rant those will be probably the topics uh Sergey Spivak defeats Greg Hardy Greg Hardy's third straight loss by KO or TKO first round two minutes and 16 seconds uh Greg Hardy's contract is now done with the UFC I'll be interested to see if they decide to bring him back but again, yeah. I, I spoke about this last week. I'm just sort of shocked at how much he's re- regressed as a fighter. Like I thought, I thought he was showed real upside two years ago. He was going the distance with fighters. He was showing good technique. He was showing good grappling, and it just seems to have just gone away in the last three fights. It's, he's been completely exposed. Yeah, you know what I think it is, and I mean I can be completely wrong, but uh, it happens a lot with fighters. I feel like a Greg Hardy, who when he first got into the sport, I felt he was extremely dominant, and he used his athleticism. He just didn't overthink. And I think once you start studying the mastery of martial arts and you start thinking of the the details and how much is actually behind, like if you think of, oh, just, you know, just throw a jab, there's so much details and your experience behind landing it successfully, footwork, angles, extension, the way you set it up, the way you faint, are you probing with it, are you spearing? So there's so many million things. But as he's learning all this detail, I think he might be overthinking. So when he's in the cage now, there's like he doesn't just rely on his natural like i don't care i'm gonna fight the thought process is maybe slowing him down and it might take him another year but then once it catches i think he'll do really well so i think if we give him another year wherever he is i think he can still do damage and still improve i guess we'll see and and like you mentioned when you are having success at heavyweight and you're getting early finishes like the fundamentals don't compute as well because what you're doing is working yeah, and, and, he, and again, he was getting away with fast finishes too because he was so big and strong. And then he was kind of like, oh my God, I, I almost gassed out going three rounds. And then next thing you know, you're being patient. You're holding back that power because you're scared to get tired. And then you're flat for the first three rounds. And you're like, well, I never really did anything because a lot of times overthinking is the, the worst thing you can do when it comes to fighting. Yeah, for, for a guy like Greg Hardy, I thought that he threw his playbook that was working for him out the window. Like, you just explode, try to hit him with your best shot. If you're unable yeah. to do that, you're going to lose. <laughs> but, like, yeah. more he often than be, not, he should be shooting guy. and grabbing people and trying to pick them up and slam them. And he should be ground and pounding. He should be, you know, hitting heavy hands. Like, you're a football player, man. In and out, power. Don't try to play the, yeah, the touch game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, use that power, man. Jalen Turner defeats Jamie Malarkey, TKO, round two. Jalen Turner looked fantastic in this fight. He's on a win streak right now. Uh, another young guy who I think has big upside at uh, 155. Huge for the division. Yeah, I don't think he got enough credit going into this fight. I've heard a lot of people giving Malarkey the win, the advantages. But uh, I think Jalen Turner's uh, just that the height and knows how to use it okay. And there's odd time where his head's up there, maybe can get hit. But he's still learning. He's still improving. And I think... Uh, Jalen Turner is going to be just a, one of those guys that'll be a tough fight for anyone because of that frame. Marina Rodriguez defeats Jan Shaunan. Split decision 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. I had it for Rodriguez. Uh, I seem to be in the minority there, but uh, I gave her the second and third round. I thought so too. I thought she won. I thought she was kind of pressing a little bit. Jan was just throwing in my just big shots that weren't really landing too much, in my opinion. I don't know how people really saw her getting the win. I thought Rodriguez won the second round in like the last 20 seconds. Like it was a very close round. And then Rodriguez just started land, landed a big elbow, landed big shots that stung Shaunan. Those were really the, the most impactful shots of the round by a good margin. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Marina's still picking away. She's still learning. and But I think she'll be uh, doing well. I mean, like, where's she ranked now? She's got to be up for... Uh, yeah, she, she's next in line for a title after. Next, gonna Rose. Say, she's going to she face the winner to. of Rose versus Esparza. Yeah, good. So she's yeah, up she there. deserves it. Yeah. Deserves it. 
Nick Negumarianu defeats Kennedy and Zechikwu. Split decision 27 29, 29 27, 29 27. Um, I, I don't know what, like, I try not to slag the judges because I've gotten a real respect for the craft, but I just do not see how you can give Kennedy, or sorry, how you can give Negu Mariano the second round of that fight. And two of the judges did. I, it boggles my mind. Yeah. That I fight don't is remember at the worst the draw. Too much. Yeah. I don't remember the details of it, but I remember being all thrown off by the results. Yeah. It's just Negu Mariano and uh, Nzechukwu, first round, quite close. I still yeah. gave it to Nzechukwu. Second round, I thought Nzechukwu won that round, like, Fairly confidently, I thought that he won that round. I, I just don't see how you can give it to Negu Mariano. He wasn't landing anything of substance. Zechukwu was landing the best shots of the round by far and landing more of them. And then the third round was a 9-9 because of the point deduction. So, I don't know. I, I, I was very surprised by this outcome. Sal D'Amato was the uh, lone judge that scored it the way I did, which was 29-27 for Zechukwu. Yeah, he's usually the one on his own the opposite way. So, yeah. there you go. But you know what? Sal is the most experienced judge that we have in this sport, right? Like, uh, yeah. people will slag him. But I think that I think a lot of that comes from people just not being that familiar with the criteria. And you know, every now and then Sal will put in a scorecard I don't agree with. But it, I think just the thing is when you hear a judge's name so many times, if they screw up once, you don't yeah, remember you the nine remember. times they didn't screw up. Yeah, like the Adelaide Bird at one point, wasn't it? It was just well, Adelaide Bird is another up. story. She still I think has some very suspect cards, but uh, a lot of the time she doesn't, right? Like yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Marina, some people have more worse days than others. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Marina Moroz defeats uh, Maria Agapova. Second round submission. Uh, feel good for Moroz. Obviously, a lot on her plate. Not just the bad blood between her and her opponent, but more importantly, she's from the, from Ukraine and yeah. everything that's going on there. Seems like she was able to uh, get some positive energy from the uh, strength of her fellow countrymen uh, in that fight. And uh, just a big win for her. Couldn't be happier to see her get a win in, in this, you know, under these circumstances. Yeah, I mean, and an underdog too. She came in and she, uh, to get the submission as well. It was a, a nice uh, story, and I think uh, she got a lot of attention from it, which is uh, deserving because it's the amount of stress to fight alone and just the extra pressure of what's happening in the Ukraine is just, you got to, I think everyone felt for her. You know, I think everybody did. I found out over the weekend. The Ukraine is not proper. It's just it's just Ukraine. Just not the Ukraine. Yeah, for whatever reason, for years people have said that the referred to it as the Ukraine, but it's just Ukraine. From Ukraine, not yeah. from the Ukraine. I, I You're know. From it sounds the Canada. It sounds more natural to say the Ukraine, but that's yeah. just because we're I used like to hearing it. it. I'll still probably say the Ukraine. Okay. Well. Uh, you're, you're not no, uh, doing it's news It's only broadcasts. Ukraine, though. It's only Ukraine. I'm trying to think of other places, other countries. You would say the the Maldives. The Maldives. Yeah, you go. Yeah. I don't that's know that's it. What other it what might other just be called Maldives. I don't know. Put it to? That's a tough one. But okay. the Republic of China, the Republic, <laughs> the United, the United uh, States of America. But nobody uh, says like the United followed by Arab. just country name, except I guess the Maldives. Um, all right, Umar Nurmagomedov breezes through Brian Kelleher uh, three minutes into the first round. Tim Elliott defeats Tagir Ulanbekov. A bit of a controversial decision, but uh, one that I agreed with twenty nine twenty eight across the board for Elliott. Yeah, and that was your pick too. You you put him on your edge picks. Yeah, see my first. Uh, uh, two of the, the first three fights, I had the underdog, and they, and uh, sorry, I had the, the underdog in the first three fights, and two of them won, which was a great start. And then everything just came came crumbling down. The RDA decision would have, like RDA getting a finish in the fourth or fifth round, would have made the night great. Yeah, but you know, again, I thought they followed procedure. I can't, I can't be too angry about it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, huh. uh, no, Tim Elliott was tough, but got it done. Yeah, yeah Ludovic Klein defeats Devante Smith. I uh, thought that uh, that was the right uh, decision in a split decision situation. And uh, Dustin Jacoby defeats Mikhail Olegzaychuk. I should have gone with you, Joe. Yeah, I, I'm telling you. But uh, Jacoby turned into just a straight boxer. Apparently his feet were sore. Jeez. I was like, Jacoby, where are the kicks, man? But uh, no, nah, Jacoby, I think he needs a little bit more respect on his name now. I think he's, uh, from what I understand, six-fight win streak yeah, with a draw Yeah, he has not lost since winning on the contender series. Yeah. Let's let's give him let's give him a a, a higher profile fight. Yeah. I think he's deserving of it. Yeah, I think he's a guy. he's There's a combat sports veteran. He's fought mm-hmm. guys in kickboxing with over hundreds of fights. He's fought Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, got knocked out. But hey, he's still fought all the biggest names in the sport. And I don't think a lot of people know what Dustin Jacoby did in kickboxing. So there was a one night tournament in Milwaukee or something or where he was. Maybe it was even in Denver. He went in and had to fight two fights in one night. He'd never fought 
kickboxing in his life. He was just like an MMA-style guy. He went in, knocked out both guys in the, the fight. Then they put him in Glory 9 New York, which would have been my second Glory fight. And I think he ended up fighting one of the top guys in the world at that point. He was in a tournament, I believe, with Tyrone Spong and all of the big names of the sport. And he just went in and he fought. So he made a name for himself just being this nobody with no experience, ended up fighting world kickboxers and did really good. So he deserves it. He's not scared of the big fights. Yeah, good on him. And, you know, people are talking about the kicks. Why isn't he throwing kicks? Mikhail Olegzajic, one of his best weapons is countering off kicks. So, you know, if you... If Jacoby trusts his boxing against a guy like Oleg Zaychuk, use your boxing. And I think that people know that Oleg Zaychuk tends to slow down as the fights go down, uh, as the fights go on. The first round was fairly close, but Jacoby clearly won the second and third. So maybe that's why he was. I know he said that his legs, he had a leg injury of some mm. sort, but at the, the same kick, time, you gotta watch those kickboxer, counters. As a kickboxer, I'll tell you right now, I, I dare you to punch me. If the fight's not going to the ground and I can use my legs, I want you to punch me. My legs are twice as long as your arms. I can hit them from the outside. I, I, I fight that way. I'm, I'm a kicks versus punch guy, so I think Jacoby would be fine with that. So I'll right, we'll get Poland I on the phone. We'll I don't want, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I'm serious because uh, <laughs> there shouldn't. They shouldn't be countering unless you're a very weak kicker with no good setups. But who knows? But I don't think Jacoby. I think he can handle it. Old Jake does not throw kicks. Like If you look at his stats, he has thrown – since his first fight, he has not thrown a single kick. Like, since his yeah. first UFC fight. It's unbelievable. But does he, can he grapple well either? He's okay. Yeah, he just doesn't seem like there's... He seems tough, aggressive, forward pressure, but one's one way only. You yeah, know? that's it. Just that's walk it. forward, throw punches, hope to connect, and knock you out. Right? He's, he's tough, got power. Yeah. He's yeah. got good technique. He'll keep walking. One to three, he doesn't stop. Yeah. So it works for him. Just All right. not that night. That is our recap for UFC 272. Let's transition to this weekend's card. It's a solid card. U, uh, UFC Fight Night, Ankalaev versus, I guess it's Santos versus Ankalaev. But Ankalaev, a pretty sizable favorite here, minus 600 against Tiago Maheta yes. Santos at plus 435. I think that's a bigger favorite than uh, John Jones was over Tiago Santos, but I'll double check that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to deserving of a, a minus 450. I personally haven't been overly impressed with Santos since, uh, what was it, his big knee injury? Yeah, since the Jones fight. Since the Jones fight. I, I, I haven't really seen him come back yet to uh, his full force, so we'll see here. But I just think he's in for a nightmare of a matchup. Yeah, Uncle Ayev is a phenomenal fighter. I think he's, I've said this time and time again, I think he will be the champion in that division yeah. one day. He's only 29 years old. Uh, great fighter. And you go back and look at this guy's history. Before he even went professional, he was fighting in the, the Russian MMA championships uh, on an amateur level. He beat, like, Valentin Moldovsky, who just fought for the Bellator heavyweight championship. He beat Vadim Nemkov as the Bellator light heavyweight champion. Like, he's beaten some names yeah. before yeah. he even went pro. Well, I think he, uh, 2022, we see him uh, for a title shot. Yeah, I, I, well, maybe not 2022, but it could be. Well, it depends after, on how things shake uh, out. Prochaka there, how do you say it? Prochaka. Prochaka. Mm-hmm. I, after him, who's who's logical? Yeah, who's, I guess you're right. You know, he could be by the end of December-ish, right? Yeah, very, very true. Uh, so we'll see how that one plays out. I think uh, Ankalaev wins. Inside the distance prop is uh, for Ankalaev is uh, plus 100. So that's that's the angle Even that I'm money. Yeah, let's do it. I like that one. I mean, we're talking about a five-round fight here. Yeah, I'm with it. That's, I'm sold on that one for or, sure. Or what I might just do is take a uh, fight doesn't go to a decision is minus 138, right? Like... That way I'm covered, kicking for coverage on both sides. Yeah, but I don't think Santos can get it done. Yeah, Maximize you never know. it. I mean, Santos has that crazy power, right, that can come out at any time. Yeah, you Let's always see. give the benefit of the doubt. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Song Yudong is a minus 255 favorite against Marlon Rice, plus 205. I'm going to be taking Marlon Rice in this fight, but Me uh, too. this is my last time I'm going down with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm going with it. I felt it too. I'd... Uh, I just think he's had some bad matchups. He's fought the, the toughest of the sport. I mean, I think we see Marlon come back in this fight. That's what I, I said to him yesterday. I said, like, you know, why do you think you've, you know, basically, like, I didn't ask it this way, but you've lost three or four. Like, what, what do you think is the issue? Like, was there something that went wrong for you in any of these fights that, you know, didn't allow you to perform at your best? He's like, dude, I've been facing the best guys in the division. It's like Rob Vaughn, exactly. Sandhagen, and... Um, who was the third that he lost to? It was his last time. Oh, Devalishvili. So he's lost yeah. like three of the top guys. And he, it's like, yeah, you're right. You have. I mean, is Song Yudong a top guy in this division? I think he's an up-and-comer, but I, I wouldn't put him up there with those names. Yeah, but even those names, they're like 
tall, long, rangy strikers, very difficult to fight. And then you got Marab, which is not going to let you off for 10 seconds to breathe. And Rice had a borderline 10-8 round against Marab in the first yeah. round. Like, in the first round, yeah. yeah. So let's, like, let's not forget that, that Marais still has it, right? Like, he he was a it. title contender. He fought for a world title. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, he's a champion in the I world just think we forgot. Yeah. Y'all must have forgot. And he's just been in Thailand for this camp. He left his family. He still hasn't seen his family in like a month or two. Went to Tiger uh, Tiger Muay Thai out in Thailand, and now he's uh, he's back in in stateside. He has, still hasn't seen his family, but he's competing this weekend. It seems like he basically said to his family, "Like I need to, you know, focus strictly on this to get back to where I need to be." Yeah, and he's a two to one underdog, right? Kind of worth a little bit of sprinkle money on that. Yeah. Hopefully, we're not in a Barboza Mitchell situation next yeah. week where we talk about how wrong we were. But yep. we'll see. I'm always, I know that Marlon Marais is always going to fight for my money, right? Like, if I'm going to put money on Marlon Marais, I'm not worried that he's going to come out and just not try. Like, he's flat. He's yeah. always, yeah, he never really comes out flat. He just, it's again, circumstances. It's more of, is he going to waste too much power early on? That's what I'm worried about sometimes. Right. But uh, other than that, you're like, oh, no, he's, he's good. He's also a guy that's fought five rounds, right? Like, it's not like he's. If I if I go back, I'd have to go back and look, but uh, I'm pretty sure that when he fought in World Series of Fighting, he had some title shots that went the distance, that went five rounds, that he won against guys like like Josh Hill. I think did, did that fight go to a decision, if I recall? Like good wrestle, yeah. The, the Josh Hill fight went so, to yeah. decision. He won unanimous decision against a guy with a good gas tank and motor like a Josh Hill. Josh Hill fought him twice too, you no, know, or just once? Twice. The second one was a finish. But five rounds against Josh Reddinghouse, another guy, good gas tank. You know, so it's not like Marais is incapable of going the distance. He he beat Jose Aldo by split decision, not a decision I agreed with. But it's, regardless of that, like the guy, the guy can go. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, I think he's ball of power, and I think he touches you. He's uh, even at that weight, you're out. Another so. underdog I might be looking at: uh, Sadiq Yusuf minus two forty, Alex Caceres plus one ninety five. The Caceres submission line is ten to one. I might have to sprinkle on that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's that's <laughs> his only path of winning, but. Uh, I think uh, Sadiq gets it done. But I'm going to go by decision. I think if, if uh, Sadiq Yusuf gets it done, it'll be a decision. Yusuf by decision is plus 140. So you could bet that and then also throw a little sprinkle throw on Caceres by sub and cover yourself. There we go. Put like 50 bucks on Yusuf by decision and put like 10 bucks on Caceres by submission. If you think those are the ways that the fight's going to end, you're covered. There you go. What's it, what do we call that? Hedging your bet? Would hedging. that be considered yeah. hedging? Yeah. You could also do Alex Caceres scorecards equals no action. What's, the, what's that pay? Caceres scorecard equals no action. It's plus 200. What does so, it mean scorecard equals no action? So if the fight goes if to a decision, you get your money back. Card. Okay. That line is actually better than him money line. Oh, I, I guess that makes sense, right? Because then Caceres, you're ruling out the Caceres decision. The, the decision, yeah. That's uh, not bad. Not bad no, at well, all. Well, maybe not, though, because maybe that is a, a good value proposition, though, because you're getting your money back, like you're covering yourself. So I don't know. That, that might be, worth, uh, if, that might be worth, uh, worth doing as well if, you think, if you're that confident that Yusuf's not going to get a finish. Yeah, no, I I think a decision is uh, likely. All right, Carl Roberson, minus 135, Khalil Roundtree, plus 115. This is an interesting one because yep. I think it's going to be contested mostly on the feet, but Khalil Roundtree's looked really good in those kind of fights. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to go with uh, Khalil Roundtree, but uh, Carl Roberson, man, he's, uh, I don't think, I've, I've talked to him, he's fought for glory, um, he's he just has a confidence to him. I think even in one of his last minute fights, he fought Glover on when Glover was on his you know his contention run. I think uh, Carl Roberson, if it stays on the feet, I think he's going to get it done. I think the power he has in his hands, I think uh, Carl gets it done. I'm not saying it, but I think Khalil is uh, maybe focusing on the kicks, might have the kicks, but I think when it comes to uh, striking, I think Carl has the slight advantage. You know who you would have said this about as well, Gokan Saki. Carl, who Khalil Roundtree knocked out in a minute and yeah, 36 seconds. I, I, I think a little bit more different because Saki, to me, still... Saki is an old-school kickboxer. He fights one way, and it's high guard, forward pressure. So, I mean, Carl's a little bit more head movement, a little bit more intelligent the way he sets it up. So his defense is a little bit made, a little bit better for MMA, where Saki just defended by kind of holding his head. So a little bit different. Um, I'm wondering what Roundtree decision pays because that might be. I might look at that. Round, Roundtree decision is plus 450. That might be the way I'd play this one. Not bad. Chess match. Not bad. Landing bigger kicks. Who knows? Uh, Drew Dober minus 180. Terrence McKinney plus 155. This opened a lot wider. I think Dober opened at like minus 275 or something like that. Big money coming in on McKinney. Yeah, McKinney's what? One week notice? If uh, that? He fought two weeks. He didn't fight on this pass card, but yeah, two weeks ago. Basically, one week notice, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, that's we got to see. Order. We got to see Terrence McKinney. We haven't really seen him yet. We just seen him go in there with some uh, quick work. So um, I think Dober's tough, durable. Got a big block head that's uh, going to be hard to finish. I think uh, I think Dober gets it done. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. The McKinney first round prop is plus four fifty though, and that's how McKinney's winning his fights. So yeah, it might be yeah. worth a sprinkle, but I don't know if I'm going to touch it. Yeah, I think I'm just going to watch it out and play, or I'll put Dober in a parlay. Well, if we're talking kickboxing, Alec Beheja, probably top of mind, minus 180. Bruno Blindado Silva, plus 155. This is going to be the fight of the night. Yeah, right. could be. Silva's I mean, a sick fighter. I'm st- as I'm going to repeat, as I repeated, I think, a month ago, I still have to call him Alex Pereira. I will not call him Alex Pejera, because that's <laughs> not how I refer to him this last decade, and I can't change it now. So Alex Pereira, to me, is... Uh, He's got the touch of death, and I think no matter how good Bruno Silva is, and he may have the more MMA experience, when you have that factor, you have it with the experience on the feet, I can't see Alex losing. I'm going to be parlaying him with somebody. I'm not just, I, I had somebody in mind, but I can't. Alex, by finish, I would, I would look at... Alex, I by finish, look. is about the same price, <laughs> if I recall. Really? Yeah, it's it's like, and, and he could outpoint them. You never know, but like Alex by KO is minus 135. So you might as well just take him. Might as well just take him straight or parlay him. I was going to parlay him uh, possibly with uh, Javid Basharat at minus 145, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Jillian Robertson, minus 130. J.J. Aldrich, plus 110. This is an interesting matchup because Aldrich is really tough to take down. I don't know if Aldrich... If Aldrich has not been taken down, I'm going to go and look at her uh, stats because if this fight's on the feet, I think she wins this fight. Uh, Aldrich, she uh, she was... No, I don't, can't remember she her last She trains with Rose Namajunas. Okay, I can't remember her last fight. Um, neither can I. I can't remember who she fought, but uh, let me go back and look. Her last fight was a win over uh, Vanessa Demopoulos. She was a big favorite in that fight. But yeah, if you look at takedowns, she's been taken down twice, or, or I guess six times if you count her first fight, but that was a long time ago. But uh, she's been taken down by Pollyanna Vienna and taken down by Lauren Mueller against Jillian Robertson. Like, if Robertson can't take her down, I think that this is Aldridge's fight to lose, honestly, but uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be touching this one. A little bit too volatile for my liking. Yeah, I'm staying away. Javid Basharat, minus 145. Trevin Jones, plus 125. I was really impressed with what I saw from Basharat on the uh, Contender Series. Uh, I think that he is a, a favorite that is possibly worth backing here. Uh, I'm trying to... My computer froze here. I'm trying to see uh, the card again. But we can move on. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on no, Javid no, Basharat? No, no real thoughts okay. on that one. Uh, Matthew Semmelsberger, minus 225. AJ Fletcher, plus 185. I'll be taking AJ Fletcher here inside the distance. This guy is just... Uh, all he does is look for finishes. He hunts them. He's plus 300 inside the distance. I don't think this guy's ever gone to a decision. And I know the level of competition is a lot higher, but uh, uh, I'm just impressed with how this guy is always looking for ways to finish fights. So uh, I know he's the underdog here. Samuelsberger has been impressive lately, but I think that the value is very high in, on this uh, this particular fight. Now with AJ Fletcher, it could be a mistake, but the UFC has his record as 1-0. and Is that a mistake? He fought on the contender series. I don't think he's... No, he's definitely not a 1-0 fighter. He I was going to say, like, it, did he have, like, a sport behind him to get into a UFC with 1-0? Yeah, exactly. You know, unless you're... He's 9-0. Uh, okay. 25 years old, 9-0. and And uh, if you look back at um, who, like, his, his methods of victory, it's, like, just all finishes. And then when you saw him in the Contender Series, he was just looking for finishes, looking for finishes. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him inside the distance here against uh, a really tough guy in Semmelsberger. But, uh, yeah, so for, uh, three round one finishes in a row. And then prior to that, he's only got one decision win in his career. So let's see. All right. I'll keep an eye on these guys. Yeah. Worth Don't watching. know much about him, but I'm watching. Miranda Maverick, minus 310. Sabina Mazzo, plus 245. This one's dog or pass for me. Uh, Miranda Maverick's been very impressive to me, but this is, again, another volatile fight. Sabina Mazzo's still young. She's training out in, in Glover's garage with, uh, with Alex Peheja, uh, your, your guy, yeah. and uh, with uh, Wellington Turman. So I'm, I'm yeah. eager to see how Sabina Mazzo uh, does with a bit of a change of scenery. And she's probably training with uh, Alex. I'm gonna. I don't even know what to say anymore now. You can say Pereira. Uh, Alex yeah. Pereira. Uh, his his sister's back in Connecticut too, and she was a great kickboxer. Kind of fights like him too. She's fought for world titles and glory as well. So I'm sure they're perfect, you know, training partners as well. All right, uh, Damon Jackson, Camuela Kirk, even money. Uh, I, I don't really have a lean on that one. Uh, Chris Martino minus 145. Guido Canetti plus 125. Uh, 
Kennedy is getting a bit long in the tooth, but I think he might be able to win this fight. I, I haven't really looked that deeply into this one. Uh, Dolce Lunjabula, minus 120. Cody Brundage, plus 100. Interesting one there. And Azamat Mirzakhanov, minus 165. Tafan and plus 145. So uh, that wraps up our preview. Um, I've got to leave in about three minutes to uh, talk to Kayla Harrison. So why don't hey, we talk quickly about stuff. Kayla Harrison? Let's um, hear it. She has re-signed with the uh, PFL. PFL matched a contract offer from Bellator, and uh, she will be in the PFL on what they are saying is a multi-year deal. Yeah, what's your thoughts on it? I think uh, they, she's made a lot of money for, with them. She, they made a good home for her. I personally would have liked to have seen her in the UFC, regardless of the money, but uh, money talks, you right? You know what? It doesn't matter what I think, as The Rock would say. They it have matching rights. It doesn't matter. They have matching rights. Yeah. So unless a promotion is going to really pay through the nose... For her, like big, big, big money, because the money associated with this one, from what I'm told, is is really big money. So if, yeah. if there was going to be a promotion that was going to offer really, really big money, then maybe you can say to Kayla, "Oh, she's ducking the." Everybody's like, "Oh, she's ducking the big names." And she's not. She has no choice in the matter. There's a legally binding contract that allows the so PFL to match. Even if she wanted Bellator, hundred percent, it doesn't matter. Do it. it does not. Doesn't matter. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. And matching rights. Yeah. Okay. So that's well, what I mean, matching hey. rights are. But see, uh, I think one of the main questions you should ask her is, it should be honestly, I think, are you happy with it? That's probably a fair question, being like, at the end of the day, are you happy with it? Maybe of not fighting these types of girls like the cyborgs and stuff. Like, who knows, right? Yeah. yeah so, I don't know. I, I mean, I would imagine that she just probably feels a little bit uh, like she doesn't have any real control over the situation, which is probably normal. She doesn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I listened to her is. on Ariel recently. Uh, I guess it was Monday. And uh, I just became a, a more of a fan of hers, hearing her story, hearing her personality. Um, I think uh, I think she's just a great spokesperson, and it seems like she's a, a team role model as well. She's in there for the ATT team, team. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think her personality speaks for itself, and she's deserving of what she uh, manifested in the universe. All right. Well, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this next week. But uh, if you would like to hear the, uh, the full interview with Kayla Harrison, you can catch that on the interview edition of the TSN MMA show, available wherever podcasts are found, as well as tsn.ca slash UFC. Uh, you can go to bazookatraining.com if you'd like to do some got it. kickboxing training online with Bazooka Joe Valtellini. There's also Bazooka Kickboxing in Scarborough, Ontario. And Joe will not be here next week for glory. So if anybody's going to be talking about Kayla Harrison, it'll be me talking to the NFT of Bazooka Joe Valtellini from uh, Glory That's Kicks. That's it. Or glory, and uh, make sure you check out Glory 80 in yeah, Belgium. Glory 80. I'll be checking it out. I can't wait there to watch go. more Glory Kickboxing. Is this, the, this is the Botter Hari rematch, right? This is the Botter rematch. Yeah, Botter got knocked out Ooh. from uh, Roshik. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the rematch. So I think most people are expecting bother to get it done this time well we'll see how that one goes uh thanks joe and we'll uh we'll catch up with you soon thanks for listening to the tsn mma show for all the latest ufc news visit tsn.ca slash ufc